Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens. I'm Christina Roberts. I'm Chris Roberts. I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello. It's great to be with you. Today, we're taking some time to talk about our well-being in the journey sense, because at a recent conference, we had this opportunity to hear from a man named Cortland Dahl. He was representing the work of Healthy Minds Innovation. So there'll be information in the show notes that you can link to some of what we're talking about. But he said something that caught my attention. He said that well-being could be trained. And his point in saying so was to point out that many people imagine that they just are what they are, that we tend to say things like, this is just how I am, or I've always been this way. I don't know why. And that can offer us good news sometimes, but it can also feel defeating. And so after many years of research, Dahl and his colleagues have felt very strongly that well-being is more of a path than a set point. They feel like their research really proves it. And so one of my favorite things that I actually heard him say was that instead of paying attention to our flaws, that we can pay attention to the best in ourselves. And in doing so, cultivate even more well-being, which just resonates with me. So there's actually four areas that they have identified at Healthy Minds Innovations as being ways to cultivate well-being. But we can talk about that a little bit later. I'd really love to first just open the floor and be like, hey, let's talk about this. What sparks for you as you hear these words? Yeah, I find it interesting that well-being can be a path, I think. What comes to mind is there are probably other paths, right? (laughs) So a path to not being well. And so I find myself curious to hear more, Christina, like if well-being can be cultivated, it could be a journey. What are the components of well-being that one could train themselves towards to create a happier, more holistic life? I think I'm also drawn to this idea of a journey and just in my own. And again, I don't know what you're going to share with us as far as the four points, but I think one aspect for me of well-being is getting closer to my creator. And the more that I know my creator, the more that I'm aware of myself, that leads me to well-being and that centered set faith approach where we're going closer to the, the core of the center of who God is and who I am in God is meaningful to me. And that is a journey. And I really appreciate reflecting on, I think people or times in my own life where that journey has felt like there's something really emerging and I'm not quite at that point of the next level or the next stage of my development in relating to God and myself, but I can tell that there's something in the air and my curiosity is peaked and there's a hunger there. And then other times where it's like, I can't get enough. Like I was just thinking, for example, when I was in high school, I had some pretty significant kind of late junior high, early high school, like some curiosity around God and faith. And it was piquing my interest, but not like this deep dive in, dipping my toes, if you will. And then my latter years of high school, there was just this intense hunger in me to know God and specifically through, I had never read the Bible before, things like that. And just this incredible hunger that was there and this intensity around. And that led to a lot of well-being. And then in recent months or recent season here, that has not been 
a particular hunger of mine. I've had other hungers and that has led to well-being, right? Like paying more attention to how I'm engaging in my body and being out in nature and things like that and letting those things from earlier years bubble up in me to see what's already existing when I'm not feeding that with continual in that way, but feeding other things. And so I think it's just interesting to me as you talk about this, well-being can be trained and journey. And I think for my own sense of just getting closer to God and what that has meant for me over the years. Yeah, I love that. And there are a lot of ways in which, right, I think, Chris, you're making a good point too around, oh, we can journey towards well-being. We could journey towards other things as well. So for example, they talk about awareness as part of one of these things that can foster well-being in us, this kind of heightened, flexible attentiveness to the things going on in our environment. And in fact, I happened to catch a study that they did. It was like 5,000 people in 83 countries, but they found that something like 47% of a person's waking life is spent in a state of distraction. And the distraction does not help our well-being is where all of that lands. And so I know in my own spiritual journey, it has been this experience of, can I become more aware of my moment now? Like, it really helps me when I look up and I see that the wind is doing this fun thing with the trees. Or like yesterday, right? it was raining, but the sun was starting to shine. And I thought, I bet you there's a rainbow somewhere around here. And then sure enough, there's this huge rainbow, like double rainbow. But I think there was a time when I wouldn't have had those thoughts. And I wouldn't have paused to really take a moment in and let the delight of it come. And it has changed my life, I think. Yeah, I really appreciate the specific point of awareness. And I've been ruminating with the, a, a poem, and it's by John O'Donohue for Equilibrium. And there's a line that says, as time remains free of all that it frames, may your mind stay clear of all it names. And I think that's what this awareness piece is speaking to, right? Forty, You said 40 per seven or 47% of people's waking life is in distraction, right? And that whole awareness of withdrawing from time and all the to-dos seems to be super important for people, like prioritizing what are the things in my life that are the most important and living out of a place of values. And I don't think you can live out of a place of your values unless you spend time looking inward with awareness and contemplation. It's interesting. Something you just said reminded me of something else I heard at that conference. It was a totally different speaker, but this notion of, oh, we've all got these to-do lists, things that are going on in our lives that we can get sucked in by them and they can become the focal point or they can be happening, but they don't, they're not the focal point. And that is a difficult balance. It is not very easy to allow the in fact, I often feel this way, like this is the dictating of the day. And sometimes I can pull back from that and say, how do I make that not be true? <laughs> These things just happen while I enjoy like connection, for instance, which is another point of well-being that they talk about. How can I enjoy connection over and above what the calendar says I have to do? But it does take cultivating. It does take intentionality. I was recently talking to someone from Honduras and he was sharing how in his culture, there's this expectation where if you're with somebody and, you know, you have another meeting to go to, it's rude to not be connected and present to the person that you're in front of. 
for the sake of another meeting down the road. And he's oftentimes we're late to the next meeting because we want to be present to who we're in front of. Now, he said, to be honest, that's that that was our historical culture. I think a lot of us, too, just tend to be extra busy and we cram too much in, if I'm being honest. But the reality of kind of the essence of the beauty of this culture is that I'm present and connected to who's in front of me. And even speaking to your point, Christina, about how we view time and what's the driving factor? Is it whatever my calendar is saying or is it being present to who's in front of me? And so just even thinking about different cultures of the world and how they would approach that particular piece seems interesting to me to consider. I very much appreciate that and island times tend to be the ones that engage the people-centered culture. I was just talking to someone who lives on an island off of Washington. So apparently it doesn't have to be like separate from the U.S. But she was saying that when somebody says I'll be there today or it'll be just some amount of time, it means nothing, these kinds of things. But yeah, I think perhaps we've talked on the podcast before, but sometimes it can help when I have maybe just scheduled extra time into the calendar. I just know I'm not going to rush through this because once in front of people, I'm not going to want to run away. But if I don't schedule that time in, then I'm going to have this different feeling in my body, which I don't want to have. And so can I help myself by scheduling the time in for connection specifically? Yeah. And I would say for me, an aspect of well-being is pace and the type of pace that I'm setting. And choosing the type of pace that I'm setting, right? And there may be some days or some seasons where I'm choosing maybe a quicker pace, like I want to get a bunch of errands done in a particular day. And so I'm choosing to do that and to fill that. But then other times where I do want a more of a relational day or a deep thinking day or a deep work day, having buffer days, buffer spaces in my day. And so I think that pace for me has really contributed to a sense of well-being, which again changes, right? It's that journey that we're talking about. It's not a static thing. Yes, it does change. And it's funny as they continue to talk about these different points. So they talk about insight, which in a way is similar to awareness, right? So insight being like, am I aware really of my emotions, my thoughts, my beliefs? Do I know what they are? Do I know what is shaping me or not? And then purpose, what is my sense of meaning? And I am swam for years in this, what is meaning and where do you get it from? What does it look like and mean in your life? But the answer and how to pursue it really does change. And when we talk about Richard Rohr, sometimes that notion of, am I filling the container? Am I looking for identities? Or am I saying, oh, this is why I do what I do. I understand this feeling. So yeah. That's all four of them that they talk about, awareness, connection, insight, and purpose. Yeah, I really appreciate having those four aspects of well-being, awareness, connection, insight, purpose. And I think I've been in a lot of conversations recently, particularly around like American culture or Western culture, where you work until you're like 62, 65, whatever, and then you like you retire and like after you retire, what do you do? And there are a lot of people that really struggle with purpose after after they retire from their vocational call or whatever it is that they do in life and how conversations, how purpose is hugely important to their thriving, their well-being after they retire. And so it's if you don't have work or your vocation, what are you then going to devote yourself to? Because if you don't have something, your health declines. Your mental health declines. I've been around people that just struggle with negative thinking. I don't have value anymore. My grandkids don't visit enough. All this negative thinking 
And so I could totally see how purpose is helpful to well-being. So I really appreciate you naming that. Yeah, I was recently listening to a podcast. He's 78 years old and going strong. He And he just has this thing in his mind that he's going to live to the year, I don't remember what it was, 20, I don't know, he 2100, I think was his thing. And he's like, whether I make it or not, it's fun for me to think about that and to project out. And so this, these are the health choices that I'm making. And this is, I'm excited about new business ideas that I have. And, and again, the pace isn't, he's not taking a pace of a 20 something year old in his endeavors, but I really admire him. And it's inspirational to hear him that his purpose has not waned. And in fact, he's I feel healthier than I ever have. My purpose is clearer because I have a lot of wisdom to go with it and quite inspirational the way that he's handling that. Yeah, that, that seems like a real key to well-being. Yes, that's an interesting, right? If we can look that far into our futures for some of us, right? There's a difference between I retired and now I watch daytime TV, which probably ups that how many hours do I need to be distracted? How much of a percentage of my time versus I shifted. I still have all these things that I'm interested in, but I don't have to dedicate so many times to that calendar, right? (laughs) Those hours that we have to dedicate to the calendar. But I do know a lot of retired people who say, oh, I'm just as busy or busier. And I do think that awareness piece, can I be sitting, for instance, and realize, oh, I'm holding a certain amount of tension in my body. That's awareness. And then the insight is probably what is causing me to be holding my muscles in that tense way? What's going on here? We ask it differently. Sometimes right? we say, what are our, what's bringing us life? What's draining energy from us? That's another way to ask the question. But allowing, okay, if this brings energy, can I get more of it into my experience of the day? If this takes energy away, if I can't get rid of it, can I really be present to the emotion that's in it? Or do I even know that I have an emotion or do I just get grumpy with everybody? I don't know. Just all of these possibilities. Yeah, and I really appreciate the story, Christina Roberts, that you told about the the 70 plus something man who has purpose now, but also coupled with the insight that he's gained along the way. And so just returning to path, the path, the journey, there are things that we learn on the path. And the fact that we're on the path means that we can gain insight. And so I really love that story because we develop insight into our lives by, by the learnings that we find, and then that contributes to our purpose. So that, that seems very meaningful and important to me. Yeah, I do think that notion of, again, going back to it's not a set point. You may have a baseline, but you don't have to stay there, nor does it have to decline. <laughs> but that this increasing well-being, this feeling of having a better and better life is possible. And also, I think that other thing, too, about rather than focusing on your flaw, you know, that is such a huge thing because so much of life is about critique. What did you do wrong and what could you now do right? As opposed to, oh, yeah, what is the best in yourself? That's a very different perspective to feed the best in oneself over and above uh, always. I don't know, flogging yourself for whatever you think you should be better at. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're interested, there is a link to like an app that these people put out, Healthy Minds Innovations. So you can find all of that in the show notes. And now is the time in our podcast where we take a moment to talk about what we are into. 
What are we into? I am into creative salad dressings. I really like eating salads and particularly as the summer months are upon us and all the yummy fresh vegetables. And I just love like yesterday I had a delicious miso salad dressing. Of course, I love the vinaigrettes, green goddess, creamy ones. And so I just love the versatility and creativity of salad dressings. So that is what I am into. I don't know that I'm into it by choice, but I am into it nonetheless. And I think I'm into diversifying arpeggios. So we have a child who has discovered arpeggios and just up and down the keyboard every night, just keeping with the arpeggios. And I'm like struggling with the monotony of the same pattern. So my desire is to introduce new patterns for the arpeggios. And then hopefully we will exhaust arpeggios and then move on to something new. So I am into arpeggios. Okay. For those who are not musical, what the heck is an arpeggio? You're using your hand motions, but what is an arpeggio? Is it like scales? Let's let another musician answer. Go ahead. Um, Yeah, this won't necessarily help, but one, three, five, eight, five, three, one is like do, me, do, so, me, do, right? So it's like these things that would make a chord, but you could also do two, four, six. So if you were in an eight block scale to every other note, for instance, and then a big jump to the top. It's like a chord that is taken out one piece at a time, if you will. Thank you. Let's see. I am into, okay, so I recently had to rent a car and they offered me a burnt orange, like bright orange, almost sporty looking thing. and. And initially, I was like so intimidated by it. Oh my gosh, it's this sports car. But in fact, it feeds something inside of me because I really love color. Color makes me so happy. And so after a while, I just felt, yes, this was like an aspect of self-expression. But alas, I returned it and I returned to the black minivan that is my real life. But I will always have those couple of days. Well, thanks everyone for being with us. We will look forward to being with you again soon. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, we invite you to stay connected by signing up for our Foundry Spiritual Center newsletter, where you can learn about even more programs and offerings. You'll find a link to subscribe in the show notes or visit us anytime at foundrysc.com. Thanks again for being with us. We hope you have a great week.